0: W-L-C-C, Brandon
1: Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey.
0: The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
1: When we had the opportunity to be in uh, Israel a few years ago, we we went to uh, in Jerusalem. We went to a museum for the Holocaust victims called Yad Vashem. Yad meaning memorial, memorial to the Holocaust victims. Words cannot describe that museum, but when you leave, you are either in tears, you are stunned, and uh, you are just silent. There is nothing to say when you leave, and you, you, see, uh, you see things, you hear things. Most people just break down and, and weep. It is, it is a touching, touching experience. Jesus said that the last three and a half years of the Tribulation will be worse. Hard to imagine, but that's what Scripture says.
2: By verse, a radio program featuring the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff, the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. On this radio program, we strive to present God's Word truthfully and clearly. Our current series is called Birth Pains for the Kingdom, and when it comes to birth pains, these will be painful We've been hearing from Pastor Steve that the nation of Israel not only has faced serious persecution, but during the tribulation they will face a persecution that will be way beyond anything they've ever faced. We might even wonder if the Jewish people will survive what is coming. Well, Pastor Steve will be talking about that subject on today's program, so let's jump in and find out what he has to say.
1: These days, from the midway point of the tribulation period until the second coming of Christ, which will be three and a half years, will be a time of unparalleled tribulation. That's a fascinating statement. Fascinating statement. In fact, uh, Revelation 7:14 calls this time period not just the tribulation. When you move into the last three and a half years, it takes on another name, according to Revelation 7, 14, and Matthew's parallel account, it takes on the expression, the Great Tribulation. So theologians often say that the whole seven-year period is the Tribulation period, but from the last three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. It's a fascinating statement about this future time period being unequal, Jesus said, in distress and tribulation. Because the Jewish people have suffered so much. One of the things that I do uh, is read books about the, the history of the Jewish people and what they have gone through and still are going through. And that's a fascinating statement because the history of the Jewish people has been suffering. Suffering. And that's not to say other people haven't suffered. It's just to say that I specifically read up on how my people have suffered. And Jesus said that they'll they'll never be suffering like this, nor has there been suffering like this, and 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 you have to ask yourself some some questions. Will this time be worse than it was when the Jewish people were exiled in Babylon in 586 B.C. According to this verse, yes, and that was a terrible time. They actually were the whole uh, basically the whole nation was transported. How could there be a worse time than that? But Jesus said it would be worse. Uh, their temple was destroyed, their city was set on fire, they were exported out. Jesus said it will be worse. Will this time period be worse than the Holocaust by the Nazis? Jewish people today could not imagine that there would be a worse time. Six million Jewish people were exterminated, all for, for one reason, they happened to be Jewish. The Jewish people are still getting over In fact, they'll never get over that. They're still asking questions about that time period. When we had the opportunity to be in uh, Israel a few years ago, we, we went to, uh, in Jerusalem, we went to a museum for the Holocaust victims called Yad Vashem, Yad meaning memorial, memorial to the Holocaust victims. Words cannot describe that museum. But when you leave, you are either in tears, you are stunned, and uh, you are just silent. There is nothing to say when you leave. And you, you, see, uh, you see things, you hear things. Most people just break down and and weep. It It is a touching, touching experience. Jesus said that the last three and a half years of the tribulation will be worse. Hard to imagine, but that's what scripture says. Will this time be worse than when Titus and the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D.? That was a devastating time. Devastating time. You know how devastating it was? We have a quote from the Jewish historian Josephus who recorded the horrors of the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. You see, Josephus was captured and, and traveled with the Romans, and that's why it gives us so, so much in his history books. Uh, Josephus recorded uh, for us, though he was Jewish, he recorded for us and was allowed to live because he traveled with the Romans. He was really a war correspondent, some believe a traitor, but uh, nonetheless, we have down here the horrors of the fall of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Here's what he said, and this is only one small portion of what he wrote. The roofs were thronged with famished women with babes in arms and the alleys with corpses of the elderly. Children and young people swollen from starvation roamed like phantoms through the marketplaces and collapsed wherever their doom overtook them. See, they were starved out. Rome just built a hedge around them and they were starved out. But there was no lamenting or wailing because famine had strangled their emotions. Jerusalem could not bury all the bodies, so they they, uh, were flung over the wall. The silence was broken only by the laughter of robbers stripping the bodies. Terrible time. Jesus said, the tribulation period will be worse. So regardless of what the Jewish people have faced up to this point in history, the worst is yet to come. And to prove how how horrible this time will be, not just upon Israel, but the whole world, Jesus makes a remarkable statement in verse 20. And he said, And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chose, whom he chose rather, he shortened the days. These days will be so incredibly terrible, so incredibly terrible that if God didn't cut them short and limit them to just three and a half years, Jesus said no one would survive. That's how bad they'll be. And, and I don't think he means just Israel. He means no one on the face of the earth would survive. That's how terrible it's going to be. No one Would live. But God has decreed that this time period would only last three and a half years, and actually the seven year period. And the reason He's done this, notice the end of verse 20 tells us why. For the sake of the elect whom He chose. In other words, God has predetermined that those days of tribulation stop short, terminate. Stop short of total destruction so that a remnant of believers will be spared. God will do it just for the sake of the elect. Just for the sake of the remnant. Just a small group of believers. You see, if he didn't do it this way, then everybody would die. That's how bad it will be. Everybody will die. But the scriptures teach, and and this is where it all comes together, that there must be a remnant specifically of, of Jewish people who believe a remnant of believers who will survive, specifically Jewish believers, though there will be some more, who will survive so that when Jesus comes, at the end of the tribulation, he comes to deliver them and to establish his kingdom, which he gives to them. Scripture teaches that. The Old Testament scriptures promise a survival of the Jewish people and that they would be given a kingdom on earth. And that's really uh, Paul's point in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Paul's point in Romans 9 through 11 is to say this. He is arguing that God has been faithful and will be faithful to his word. The uh, The early church looked around. And there weren't many Jewish people, like there were Gentiles. At least the Gentiles were gaining in numbers. And some Jewish believers said, well, wait a minute. I thought that Israel is going to be saved. I thought there's going to be Jewish people who will be saved. And the nation will be converted to Messiah. And Paul takes those three chapters to prove that God will preserve a remnant. Not all Israel, he says, is Israel. Israel will come to know their Messiah, but he means at the end of the tribulation. And therefore, God will give them the kingdom that he promised, but it's not right now. Let me show you some scriptures that says that Israel will survive the tribulation. There must be a survival of the nation for Jesus to deliver them. Jeremiah chapter 30, and then verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, says this, Alas, for that day is great. And he's speaking of the tribulation. There is none like it, and it is the time of Jacob's distress. That's where we get the term for the tribulation period called the time of Jacob's trouble. But notice this, but he, meaning Jacob, which is another name for Israel, will be saved from it. They'll be delivered. There has to be a people to deliver. Then just turn over one chapter to chapter 31, verses 33. This is great. He's speaking of the new covenant which God will make with Israel at the end of the tribulation, very special covenants. We have uh, entered into that covenant now. You could say in a sense prematurely we've received forgiveness and the Spirit indwelling us in a new heart. But this covenant specifically is going to, uh, it has been made or will be made with Israel. But this is, verse 33, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, and he means after the tribulation, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He's speaking about people who have been uh, uh, converted. And I don't mean Jews who have become Gentiles. I mean Jews who have become genuine believers. And they shall not uh, teach again. Each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Now watch this. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this order, fixed order, departs from before me, and he means permanently now, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me. For thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundation of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off all the offspring of Israel for for all that they have done, declares the Lord. God said, hey, if you can measure the heavens, then you can cast off my people. He can't measure the heavens. He can't cast off his people. He said, hey, if the fixed order of the sun and moon changes permanently. I mean, he's talking about in, in, in our day. Then he said, no, that uh, Israel will be changed too. But that's not the case. The point of this is to say that I'll make a covenant with them because they will survive. And God says, I'll see to it that they survive because they will be a nation forever. Forever. God has promised to preserve the Jewish people and to bring them to faith in Messiah. That's why Paul says at the end of Romans chapter eleven, verse twenty-six, he says, "The Redeemer shall come out of Zion, and then all Israel shall be saved." Does he mean all the Jewish people forever? No. Those Jewish people who are living at the end of the tribulation will be saved. The nation will turn to Christ. The nation will become believers. Now, let's turn to Zechariah, the end of the Old Testament, Zechariah 13, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, but let me put it together for you. All Israel shall be saved. Who's all Israel? Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8. Right after Zechariah comes Malachi, which is the close of the Old Testament, so that might help you to find it. And if you can't find it, it's fine, just listen. And it will come about in in all the lands, declares the Lord, that two parts of it will be cut off and perish. That is to say, two-thirds of the Jewish people living in Israel will die in the tribulation. But the third will be left in it. The third will survive. One-third of the people. That's the remnant. And what will God do with them? Verse 9. And I will bring the third part through the fire. And refine them as silver is refined. And test them as gold is tested. And they'll call on my name. And I will answer them. And I will say they are my people. And they will say the Lord is my God. God says that the one third that's living. Will be the people who will be saved. All Israel will be saved. It's just that two thirds of them will have been destroyed and killed. But the one third which constitute at this point the nation. Will be saved. And Zechariah chapter 12. Verse 10 tells us about it. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look on me whom they've pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they'll weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Sometime at the end of the tribulation period the blindness is going to be taken off and the Jewish people will finally recognize that Jesus is their long-awaited Messiah. Just like uh, I read this magazine where the uh, ultra-Orthodox man said, we don't know who Messiah is, but we know he's coming. Well, then they'll know who Messiah is and has been, and they'll mourn because they'll realize that they and their people have rejected him. Now, while God has decreed that the Great Tribulation will last only three and a half years so that some believers survive, a remnant of believers survive, Satan, though, will be, the, the uh, we'll be at war with believers, trying to kill every believer. God's going to keep them alive, but Satan's going to be out to destroy them and kill them, as well as destroy the nation of Israel. He's out to thwart God's plan. And, and you need to turn to Revelation chapter 12 to see this. And I realize that when we're dealing with prophecy, we, we jump around a bit, but that's the way the prophetic scriptures are. They don't unfold everything in one passage. You just have to piece it together. Revelation chapter 12 is about Satan's persecution of Israel during this time period. During this time period. And God's protection for the nation. Now, let me, let me just show you how we know that it's about Israel. And I won't take the time to go into all of it, but I just want you to be somewhat oriented. Verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. Now that's obviously very um, symbolic language. However, how do we know what it's referring to? If we were to take the time to go through the book of Revelation, which we did a number of years ago, I would point out to you and show you illustration upon illustration that much of the symbolic language in the Old Testament can only be understood in light of the background, in the New Testament, rather, in the book of Revelation. The symbolic language there can only be understood in light of the symbolic language or the language in the Old Testament. And uh, John assumed that his readers understood that, that they had a working knowledge of the Old Testament Scriptures, and so he didn't explain everything that was symbolic. But uh, if you look back in the Old Testament Scriptures, you see much of the same language, and in its context there, it's very clear and in the context here, it's very clear because the language that, that is used here is the, uh, speaking of a woman, is the same language that's used in Genesis 37. You don't need to turn there. Genesis 37 is about Joseph, one of Jacob's 12 sons, who has a dream. And he explains to his family what this dream consisted of. And they're bowing down to him and so forth, uh, meaning that someday he's going to be elevated and they will submit themselves to him. And that's exactly what happens. And so Genesis 37 is speaking about Israel with that language. And so Revelation 12 is referring to the nation of Israel as well. That's what this chapter is about, Israel being persecuted. But it's also about Satan. Verse 3, And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and so forth. Now who is that? Verse 9 tells us, who it is. And the great dragon was thrown down. He's the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan. So he, he was thrown down. Now let's read verses seven through nine. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And who's the dragon? Satan. And the dragon and his angels waged war, and, there, and there were, they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, right now, what is Satan doing? Satan is a fallen angel. He was a gorgeous angel, he was a very high angel, but he sinned, and we don't understand his sin, the Bible simply says that sin was found in his heart, iniquity was found in his heart, God is not responsible for that, Satan decided that, and we, that's a mystery how that all took place, but Satan is a fallen angel, and he still has access to heaven he still has some access to heaven. How do we know that? Because in the book of Job, it says that the that the angels of God appear before him regularly and give reports, and Satan was there. So we know that Satan uh, has access to heaven. But according to these verses, there is coming a day when Satan and his evil angels will be involved in a war with Michael, who's an archangel, and other good angels, and they will lose. That is, Satan will lose in his angels or demons. And the result will be that he will be permanently ousted from any kind of entrance into heaven. It says in verse 9, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. That has not taken place yet. That will take place midway into the tribulation period. He will be permanently expelled from heaven. Now, let's look at that. Let's look at verse 12. And we'll see. We'll put some, some things together. For this reason, rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell on them, woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he is only a short time. Only a short time, because he knows it's three and a half years, and that's the end. He knows the Bible, by the way. He knows it better than us. Remember the demons often in, in the ministry of our Lord would say, uh, are you going to torment us before the time? They understand prophecy pretty pretty well. And so, they're moving towards that. And uh, heaven, according to verse 12, heaven is thrilled. Heaven is rejoicing. Rejoice, O heavens. Why? Because they're rid of him. They don't have him anymore. But that's what says, Woe to the earth. Heaven's loss, or or heaven's gain, I should say, is earth's loss. So he he comes down to the earth. He knows he only has a little time left, three and a half years. And he's going to, to go full steam ahead and to vent his anger on the one thing on earth that is precious to the Lord, and that's his people, and specifically Israel. Verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Now, when does this persecution begin? According to the other scriptures, halfway into the tribulation. Halfway into it. So that's when he's thrown down. This will be the worst expression of anti-Semitism ever. And he will be out to destroy Israel and prevent Christ from returning for her. However, God is not going to let this happen. Verse 14, and the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpents. Now, um, so what is that talking about? Well, this verse expands on verse 6, which we didn't look at yet, but look. Just jump over to verse 6 of this chapter. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. By the way, that's three and a half years. Time, times, and half a times three and a half years. So our chronology is correct on this. Now what does this mean? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, it does say that God has this place prepared for Israel where she will be protected for three and a half years. How he does it, I don't know. Some say an airlift, speaking of, of an eagle, and and uh, it's possible. Some type of an airlift, um, maybe not, I don't know. Uh, where are they going to be hid? I don't know. There's all kinds of speculation on it. Some say maybe the uh, fortress city of Petra, which is in uh, Jordan now, and, and the mountains east of Israel. How God is going to do this, I don't know. And I would caution you from uh, from going to teachers who have all the answers when the scriptures don't tell us. You see, it's very easy to sensationalize prophecy. You sell a lot of books that way. The problem is, it just may not be accurate. But people love that kind of stuff. And so we reserve judgment where God has not revealed it. And uh, where the place of refuge is, how he's going to do it, I don't know. But he's going to protect Israel for three and a half years. Verse 15, and the serpent, and we know who the serpent is, this is the devil. He poured water like river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. Now, this is a chapter expressing literal realities using symbolic language. So, this doesn't necessarily have to be a literal flood of water. It it could be, it might be. uh, But I think the thought would be more that Satan's persecution is pictured like an overwhelming flood of water. Whether it is physical water or not, I don't know. But the point is, it's overwhelming. But he won't be able to destroy Israel with it. Verse 16, And the earth helped the woman... And the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So, somehow Satan is going to be foiled in his attempt to destroy the Jewish people. Perhaps it's an earthquake. Perhaps it's something else. I don't know. But he doesn't succeed. And then notice what he does. This only infuriates Satan. So, verse 17 says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman. The woman is Israel. So, the dragon was enraged enraged with Israel and and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Who are these folks? Jewish believers. Hebrew Christians. At this point, Israel's not converted yet. They will be, but it's only midway in the tribulation. So when he can't get to the nation as a whole, the nation at least that third that God is preserving, he goes off to make war with those who are Jewish believers. How does he do this? Now you got to go back to Mark 13 and this sort of helps you, at least it should, not not confuse you, but help you to understand what's going on. He can't get to the nation. He's persecuting them. He's already killed two-thirds, but one-third is kept and preserved. Now he goes after believers, Jewish believers. Verses 21 and 22. And then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order, if possible, to lead the elect astray. Now, keep in mind where Jewish believers will be located. Where did Jesus say to go? Get out of here. Flee to the mountains. Take refuge somewhere.
2: It is interesting to note the entities attacked by Satan, the family, the church, the nation of Israel, to name a few. What is the common thread? Well, they were all instituted by God. Satan can't attack God, so he attacks God's creation. I liked Pastor Steve's statement toward the end of today's message. Somehow, Satan is going to be foiled in his attempt to destroy the Jewish people. This, of course, infuriates Satan. We will learn more about all of this on the next Verse by Verse program. We hope you can join us there.